Christ Faith Tabernacle has spread across the globe, empowering the saints for the season of the Lord's return. This season has arrived. Join Apostle Alfred and Reverend Piona Williams in this year of God's glory as we celebrate the Christ Faith Tabernacle 25th year jubilee from the 23rd of February to the 1st of March. Our name shall be great. Nation will come out of us. The Lord has blessed us and nobody can revoke it. Be empowered alongside ministers from across the globe to walk in the miraculous, see healings, miracles, signs and wonders in your ministry. Come and celebrate 25 incredible years that have seen Christ Faith Tabernacle spread across the globe, meeting dignitaries and changing nations. You are healed right now in the name of Jesus by the blood of the risen Lord. Let them see Jesus shine through your life like never before. And you are bulletproof as long as you are walking under the covering of the Almighty. You got to know that God has set you apart special. God is very, very smart at every little thing. The Christ Faith Tabernacle Silver Jubilee. Leadership training daily. Power Miracle Nights every evening from 7 p.m. And the official dedication of the incredible CFT Cathedral Woolwich on Sunday, March the 1st at 4 p.m. The venue, CFT Cathedral, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE 18, 6NL. Visit cftchurches.org or call 020-8316-2332. Good to be here and I greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would ask uh, this morning, I've asked Dr. Lockhart if he would just to release the blessing of the Lord upon us, uh, that the Spirit of God may direct us and guide us into what we're about to listen to, and that he may empower uh, us to continue to follow uh, the Lord with fervency. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the opening of this conference service this morning. We thank you that you've given your servant the tongue of the learned. His tongue is the pen of a ready writer, and he will speak as the oracles of God. We thank you that our hearts is open and that our hearts is good ground, that the seed of your word will be planted and bring forth much fruit, that the kingdom of God will be advanced and glorified. Strengthen every one of us with might as you use your servant, by your spirit and our inner man. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you. I hope you all had a restful evening. And for those of you who have traveled from distances, that you're uh, recuperating your strength. Of all the things that I am fully assured of, that the Lord has a particular plan and a purpose for each one of us. I think the difficulty arises for us is to discover what that plan and what that purpose is. I was sharing with uh, Dr. Lockhart earlier on on the way into the house of the Lord this morning that the biggest issue most of us face is wrestling with our own personality and finding out what's God and what's me. And of all the effort that we put into trying to discover what God is, it seems to be when we've finally given up is when the Spirit of God is able to reveal to us what He really wants us to do. Now I think we're discovering in these meetings the diversity of the gifts of God. And yet as we read the scripture this morning in 1 Corinthians 12, we're discovering that all of those diversities come under the heading of the self and same Spirit. So I'm going to read this morning, if they want to put it up on the back screen, some familiar scripture with you. Last night when I began to ask the Lord how he wants me to put this, one of, the, one of the first statements he ever made to me was found in Isaiah 
the prophet Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, For my ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. And as far as the difference between the heavens and the earth, so are my ways different from your ways and my thoughts different from your thoughts. Having said that to you, discovering what it is that God is trying to say to us is often difficult to interpret because of the way you and I think. We're all different personalities. I think we have four or five major personality types. We have I people and D people, meaning direct or uh, overseeing, aggressive people. We have passive people. We have those who are more led of emotion than they are of logic. But when it comes down to the directives of the Holy Spirit, God will ultimately begin to quicken in you the desires and purposes that he has for you will draw you to the place of his choosing. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is no matter what you may think, whatever the desires of your heart may be, it is the Lord's purpose for you that ultimately will stand. We're coming out of an era, I believe, when many churches have discovered that being in competition with one another hasn't served them very well. The greatest benefit that we can have to one another is to cooperate with one another and work with one another. And I think as we find that as God reveals who it is that he wants us to be, to get to the point of peace with that and, and start to cooperate with God in that is really the beginning of wisdom. I was sharing with Dr. Lockhart that when I first discovered that the Lord had his hand upon me, it, it really began by me recognizing that what I had always done was no longer working. People ask, how can you discover what God's directive is? How can you find out what your gifts and callings are? The thing that started me in the beginning was I found myself beginning to be attracted to certain types of ministries. I think in the natural, we, uh, we have certain likes and dislikes. So there are certain foods that we like and certain foods we dislike. Certain people kinds of folks that we tend to get on with and other folks that we find difficult to get on with. And as much as Christians, we are required of God to love everybody. Some people are easier to love than others. Am I right? How is it that you and I manage to find ourselves in particular places of learning? Why is it that of all the places you could finish up, God plants you here at Christ's Tabernacle? Why is it when I go to, to Carolina that I find myself in Dr. Lockhart's ministry? Why when I go to Atlanta of all the churches that I could choose in my flesh to go to that circumstance tends to lead me to a certain place. I'm a great believer in the predeterminings of the Spirit of God. Again, I'll tell you that the problem is our thinking tends to wrestle against the thinking of God. For many ministries, their hardest battle is not to have faith in God or believe that God has a place for them but wrestling with the place that God chooses for them. We get into competition with other ministers. When I was first beginning, I found myself, as I said, drawn to certain kinds of ministries. Certain ministries I found that were most effective were the ones that seemingly were the less educated. It seemed to me that the, the ones who were polished, uh, although I appreciate I had a very good education, thanks be to my natural father, I went to a church. I went to a church-based school. Uh, I had chapel three times a week, and as I've shared kind of publicly, 
even though I had 14 years of education and three weeks, three days of every week involved in formal chapel and worship services, when I graduated out of school, I had no walk with God whatsoever. They gave me testings in divinity classes to which I received the grade of an A plus excellence. And yet I was as far for God as East is from the West. So I wondered to myself, how can anybody really discover what their gifts and callings are unless somebody tells them? And I went for years before I got to the place where I asked God to reveal to me, A, if he was real, and B, if he was real, would he show it to me? I wanted proof. And I think one of the things that we fail to encourage in people who assemble together in the name of the Lord is we should encourage them not to be presumptuous, but to put testings toward the Lord. I know we've heard of the stories of Gideon testing with the fleeces and the fallacy that perhaps that was a demonstration of a lack of faith. And yet God answered Gideon, didn't he? Gideon was a man that had a calling upon his life just like most Knowing that doesn't help. We have to find out what it is so that we can accurately pursue it. Does that make sense? And as much as we've, we love and appreciate the men of God that have put over us, we cannot always discover what God has for us by emulating, copying, or allowing the character or the personality of the man of God who is over us to become our personality and our character. He may be a man of God's character. I've got a chance to meet Dr. Luckett. I know he to be a man of God's character and God's choosing. A long time ago, a man of God wrote in the front leaf of a Bible in Dallas, Texas, which kept me going for many years when I wondered if I was just kidding myself about serving God. Hilton Sutton wrote on the inside flyleaf of my Bible, to another of God's choosing. At the time, I wondered if he really meant it. I think he wrote it without realizing what impact that would have on a, on a 29-year-old, 30-year-old man. There are so many disappointments for people that are wanting to serve God and finding that trying to copy another man's service or another woman's service doesn't bring them any satisfaction. Standing in the shadow of another does not seem to give us the same satisfaction as standing in the sunlight for ourselves. And so remembering that, I want to help you today if I can by setting the platform for you. What can we do to prepare ourselves in these last days to serve God? The first statement of that, and we can spend some time going through the life of many men who had run from the callings of God simply because they felt unworthy or had tried in their natural to serve the living God with all of their strength and all of their heart but found they fell flat because they weren't able to discern for themselves the voice of the Master. Even Jesus who people say we should remove his humanity from and recognize him as the Son of God, I, I have an issue with that. Because although he was sent from God and empowered of God, he represented God in mortal frame. He had to learn the Scriptures, the same as you and I learn them. From the age of 12, he found himself in the house of the Lord, both asking questions and answering questions. And he began his ministry as a young man at the age of 30 with all the weight of humanity's sin resting upon his shoulders. And every challenge he got 
He responded the same way. I can do nothing unless my Father shows me what to do. When he spent time aside, it was to remove himself of what his consideration was and what his thoughts were about anything and deferred himself to the Father so that he could guarantee himself the pleasure of the Father and success of the ministry for which he had been sent only in one way, by hearing the voice of the Father telling him what to do. That would mean, my brothers and sisters, that as much as we study to show ourselves approved unto God, which is a biblical affirmative, that we may not be ashamed, but that we may men and women that are fully persuaded concerning what the word of the Lord is, and at the same time we may present ourselves before the people and before God and not be ashamed, but rather be able to discern the truth of the word of God. All these things are practical and worthy to be obtained. But our relationship with the Holy Spirit has to be, to be effective now, has to be instantaneous. It has to be spontaneous and it has to be accurate. These things don't come overnight and I truly believe that God waits until we reach the end of our humanity before the Holy Spirit can begin to take over. That's why it is the stronger your nature, the more prideful you are in your abilities, the longer it may take for God to break you down to the place where you say, nevertheless, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Of the years that I spent in study, most of those study years brought me to the understanding that I know very little. And even that which I thought I knew has become unfruitful to me. Because God's Spirit continues to move. When you say, what can I do to prepare myself for tomorrow? Very little. What you can do is prepare yourself for today. Your ministries are being funded by God for today, not for tomorrow. You are being spiritually prepared for today and not for tomorrow. Sufficient under the evil thereof. Sufficient under the day is the evil thereof. Isn't that correct? What does that mean? It means that when we want to stand before the people of God, we can prepare ourselves for the years of study and lay a good foundation. These things are admirable. To sit under the ministration of the apostle and the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and the teacher, these things are also desirable that we may be thoroughly furnished under every good work. But eventually in the times in which we are living, please listen to me very carefully, in the times in which we are living, the strategies of your adversary the devil and those who are empowered by him are based upon what he has learnt and they have learnt about the way in which Christians and the churches respond to certain adversities and certain instructions. Once you understand the ways of a man, then the ways of that man can be conquered. Now you listen to me. The scripture says, and I'm trying to help you as ministers of God now because I understand where you're coming from. I know you're passionate. I know you're eager. I know you feel that you've learned something now that's a foundation in your life and you're ready to a springboard to jump out and land in the waters of God and swim fervently to the other end. And I admire you for that. But so many of us are discovering we get in the water and we figure that we can't swim because we don't know where the end of the pool is. We can't even see which end of the pool is which. We're surrounded by, by previous knowledge, but we need to hear the voice of the Lord saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And sometimes the knowledge that we've accumulated becomes more like a, a lead weight 
and begins to burden us. And the reason that happens is because Satan has already figured out what it is that you are going to do in response to the circumstances and has prepared not a way of escape as the Holy Spirit does, but has prepared a locked door. And when young men and women try very hard to open a locked door, eventually they become weary and they lose the zeal that they once had. Think about Moses. Moses was a man that finally discovered that he was a Hebrew and all that had happened prior to his life. If you'll think about this, it's it's amazing that Moses was referred to as a special child and that Satan had been about the business of destroying the ability of the Hebrews to continue to multiply. For no matter what the enemy had done to the Hebrews in captivity, they continued to multiply until Pharaoh said, we have to stop these people multiplying because they're going to take over the land just by numbers only. No matter how they tried to hold the people of God back, they continued to multiply. They beat them. They starved them. They didn't pay them. They gave them poor food. They restrained them in every which way. They worked them almost to death and often to death. And yet God continued to multiply them. This is frustrating to the devil even today that the body of Christ, the true body of Christ, continues to be multiplied. And when, of course, the parents decided that they were going to hide this child, the mother, weaning the child, even as she was, took the child down to the waterfront and made a a little uh, container, like the ark, if you like, a little container for the child, placed him in there and set him afloat. But I thought the other day, what was it that stopped those alligator, the, 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 the alligators of the Nile, the crocodiles of the Nile, which are famous, from chewing up one more little chubby Israelite baby? Because the Pharaoh was throwing the male children into the Nile to be devoured by these crocodiles, these serpents, <laughs> to devour the prodigy of Israel. Are you listening to me? And even now Satan is preparing crocodiles today to devour the chubby little ministries that are coming out that are all ready and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and pink-skinned, ready to be transferred out of their Bible schools and out of their classes, awaiting to reach into the world and change the world with what they've learned. And yet they find themselves being devoured, many of them, before they even get out of the back door of the church. And then I I noticed something interesting. The mother, in order to make this little bull rush uh, crib, watertight, would have used pitch. She used pitch to make it to float. And that pitch has a particular smell to it. If you've ever been around when they're paving a road, pitch like the, like the tar pits of Sodom and Gomorrah or the tar pits of Los Angeles have an odor to them that is very, dis- it's like raw petroleum smell. And I was thinking to myself, no self-respecting crocodile once he got his nose around that stinking pitch, would want anything to do with the chubby baby that was inside. He couldn't smell the chubby baby. All he could smell was the protective petroleum that was keeping him afloat. And listen to the, listen to the magnificence of the ability of God to protect you through all of the years where Satan is trying to destroy your fledgling ministry. You down and then you're up. You're sideways and then you're upside down again and you start with this man of God and he disappoints you and then you go over here and you, and you try to attach to a ministry and they forsake you. And then when you start launching out as an evangelist you find that nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Everything you do seems to be out of time and out of order and yet something on the inside of you says I know that God has something unique for me. 
I may not be... Look, Moses was a stutterer. He couldn't pronounce a word correctly. God says, don't worry. I'll give you a talking voice. If you want Aaron, Aaron, I'll give you an Aaron. But I'm still going to use you. Aaron may be using the words, but I'm going to be leading and directing you. It's better that you stutter than not go at all. Amen. Listen to Moses. Once he was found... the, the, the the wonderful strategy of God to protect your ministry, your calling on your life. Not your ministry, but the calling on your life. When he got to the shores, it just happened to be at the time that Pharaoh's daughter was down taking a bath. Pharaoh's daughter was wanting so much to have a child of her own, but she was unable to have. She hears the crying of little baby Moses. She sends her servants. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, this baby can be one that I can adopt. Let me see if the baby is fair. When they brought the baby Moses's, Little chubby baby Moses was fair and wonderful. And they said, surely this is a very fair child. And when they brought him, she said, I would like to bring this baby into Pharaoh's household. What more protection could they have than to bring the very one that Pharaoh wanted to destroy into the very courts of Pharaoh himself? Bringing bringing the one that Pharaoh wanted to destroy more than anything under his very nose and having Pharaoh pay for it. Pharaoh paid for his food. Pharaoh paid for his education. And eventually, this child was to be raised up to put an end to the cruel rule of Pharaoh, a type of Satan. So you see, you see the majesty, the divinity, and the predestination of God, the way it will protect you even when you are helpless. When the baby comes in, the first thing that, that the Pharaoh's daughter is concerned about, I, I, I'm not lactating. I need to find a wet nurse. I need to find a mother who has a baby that can take care of this child. They didn't have baby formulas and bottles back then. The baby had to be nursed. Now look at the providence of God. The handmaidens of Pharaoh's daughter said, we'll find you somebody that can can, feed this baby boy. And who do they pick? They pick the child's mother. So she, she, she manages to yield over her birthright. She manages to yield over the one for she is carried for nine months of birth, she gives him to God and trusts him to God. That faith that she exhibits that her future destiny, her prodigy, in your case, your destiny, submits to God without worrying about how you're going to protect it. And what does God do? He brings it and gives it back to you at the appointed time. Now, of course, once Moses discovers later on, after being raised up and elevated and Pharaoh anoints him with the anointings of Egypt. All the wealth of Egypt puts him under control of all of his wise men. Now God has his man in the formidable White House of the day in Egypt. Now all of a sudden the revelation comes, I'm not an Egyptian at all, I'm a Hebrew. Not only that, but I have discovered my mighty, mighty ministry is to deliver the Hebrew people. So I'm going to be about the business of God, just like you and I want to be about the business of our mighty, mighty ministry. So what did he do? He ran out, found two Egyptian soldiers that particularly were disgracing him and decided that he would choke them to death. Amen? So we go with our own natural abilities and talents and we try to impart them into other people. We find ourselves hurting more people than we help. When I first discovered, we're going to be talking a little bit just in a minute, about how we can determine what those giftings are. There's a lot of people that are drawn to, we know that there are, how many gifts? How many gifts of the Spirit are there? Nine, nine gifts of the Spirit, that's right. There are three power gifts, yes. There are three revelational gifts, yes. And what are the other three? 
vocal or inspirational gifts, yes. So we're going to find out how, how can we determine where I'm going to be used. Predominantly in the world system now, men and women seek out the office in their own choosing, I would imagine, pastor teacher. They do that because they want to help people. For most folks, when they have a desire to be used of God, like Moses, I want to be immediately available to separate people from the threat. I want to be able to get in and help people realize this is of the devil and this is of God. But it's not that easy because Satan comes disguised as an angel of light and so there's a blurring between the two. The only one who truly knows which is wheat and which is tares, the only one who really knows that this person is going to go on and continue to serve God and this is a a person that you're going to pour your whole substance into, financial substance, emotional substance, uh, uh, a spiritual substance, the Lord is the only one that knows if this person is going to continue faithful and is going to bear fruit. Amen? And that's important because you, you get to my age and you, and you not because I'm, I'm, I don't know how old you are, but you look younger than I am. If, if there is an opportunity for us to learn quickly, we should learn. But the stronger our personalities, the slower we learn. It's only when we get old we start to slow down that God says, now you're not running so fast, maybe I can use you. Amen? So we really don't want to continue to pour our lives and our ministries, our family time and everything, we devote that to pouring into people that are not going to bear fruit. And you say, well, if you don't, then you don't love people. I don't believe that. I think we have a desire to help people, but we can love people to the point sometimes where we've got to realize some people just don't want what you have to offer. Maybe there's another person that can bless them. I don't know. But I tell you at my age, I don't want to have to spend a whole lot of time pouring substance into people that are going to be, as Haggai said, a bucket with a hole in the bottom. Are you with me? Now, there's a lot of ministries that have the biggest hearts in the world, and I've met many of them, and I'm honored to be around them, but they've never succeeded. And the reason they haven't succeeded is they have poured all their substance into the wrong vessels. And why have they done that? For the same reason Moses went out and choked to death two Egyptian soldiers because he used his natural abilities to determine what God wanted to do. We have to get that instruction directly from God. And while we are still trying to figure out what it is that God is saying, we can be both disrupted, distracted, and and, uh, honestly, we can be be, uh, uh, lied to by, by, the, by the spirit of the enemy. He can, he can deceive us into believing that we're doing right and all he's doing is using up our substance. And so the next move of God, I believe with all of my heart, is there's going to be a transference. And we were talking about this this morning, Dr. Lockhart. There's going to be a transference of spiritual understanding, we call that discernment, into the body of Christ and into her leadership. Even now there are many who will not want that discernment because it's so is so antagonistic to what they have determined their ministries are. They have become so set. In Corinthians it says, and God has set some of the church. But that set, many people I used to hear in my old teaching days, means like set in concrete. It does not. The word set there, firstly apostles, secondarily prophets, and so forth and so on. The word there set means to lay down as a foundation. It means to lay horizontally versus vertically. So once you reach the point where God has trained you and has, has, has put you under his, uh, under his direction, has put reins in your mouth, then you're not so quick to stand up and decree and declare, thus saith the Lord. You're more likely to lay flat and meditate until you hear the word of the Lord. 
because there's a difference between launching out in what you call faith and hearing the word of the Lord saying, Thus saith the Lord. When there is a thus saith the Lord coming out of your mouth, it better be God speaking it. Because there's only so many times people can hear a thus saith the Lord that doesn't come to pass and you, you, you lose your credibility and ultimately the candle of the Lord goes out in that life. We've practiced too much and I have been as guilty of that in the past as anybody. I don't want to practice on anybody anymore. It hurts too many people and my years run out practicing. Doctors can practice, only God can heal. Can you say what I'm saying? All right, so what happens with Moses? We'll stick with Moses just for a second. Moses learns very quickly that he is not going to be able to launch into the deliverance of Israel with his own strength. So for 40 years he gets sent out on the backside of the desert. There he learns how to serve people who are not anointed. He learns how to let go of his own strength. God virtually pulls the plug on all his natural abilities. He is no longer a man that has the wisdom of Egypt. He's no longer a man that can, by the wave of his hand, have a man's head taken off. He doesn't have access to incredible wealth and substance, foods of all manner and type, whatever kind of uh, 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 friendships, relationships he wants was available at the snap of his finger. Now he was serving a man uh, known to be very wise but very selfish in his conceits. It wasn't for another 40 years until God was able to reveal himself to him and Moses was drawn to that burning bush. We are in that dispensation now. We are no longer a people that are going to be justified before God just because we have knowledge, just because we have access uh, uh, to the blessings of God. We have to be a people that are drawn aside wanting to see why this bush is not consumed. It's the supernatural, introspective understanding of how the Spirit of God works that's going to be our, our delivering factor in these last days. And the reason I say that to you is that Satan and the way he operates both in the church, which will ultimately, some of whom will be drawn aside, we call that the first church, false church, the Antichrist, the instead of the anointed one, those people who fail to yield over what they have learnt in the legalistic sense are doomed, in my humble opinion, to become part of those who will resist the last day's move of the Spirit of God. How do we, come, how do we become uh, usable to God and destructive to the devil? And I believe one of the most valuable ways is that if we can get to the point where we hear that still small voice of the Spirit and operate instantaneously by the directive of the Spirit, then the devil doesn't have a clue what we're doing. Can you hear what I'm saying? Ultimately, revelation, instantaneous revelation is more valuable than being able to know truths that have been revealed in the past. The new moving of the body of Christ is going to be invisible in the way it is presented to the world system until it is, it is released. In other words, when I have meetings now, I don't predetermine in advance what God is going to do. He may give me some understanding, he may give me some insights, but it's not until the candle of the Lord is illuminated to me during the service or just prior to the service that I'll understand what the focus of that service is going to be. So to be led of the Spirit and not of the flesh has nothing to do with accumulating how God works. It's recognizing when He wants you to work what He's trained you in. It's a release of the Spirit that is, that is so spontaneous that it catches your adversary unawares. Are you with me? I think it was last night or the night before one of the men of God was talking about Pharaoh following 
the exodus out of Egypt. And, uh, of course, when the Red Sea parted, which is a wonderful type in itself, and God led his people out through Moses on dry ground, and the waters of, of Jordan stood up either side, I've heard religious men explain that as the Jordan at that time of the year was only a few feet deep. I've heard them try to explain it in all kinds of naturally understandable ways. But the Bible tells me that if somebody can drown thousands of men in two feet of water, that's really a miracle. I believe, I believe that the Red Sea mounted up on both sides just as Cesar Beta Mill uh, decided it was going to be. Maybe not as spectacular in that sense, but certainly supernatural. And the devil said, no problem, I'll just follow these people of God straight over in the same way that they're doing it. I'll just follow the people of God. Because they're predictable, aren't they? I mean, after all, why should I bother with this new pastor that's starting work up in North Carolina? Because he's just going to do the same thing everybody else has done. All I need to do is sow in that church a few Jezebels and a few people uh, that sound right and talk right and look right but have no heart for God. People that will come along and put a few hundred dollars in his hand and help him. I'm for you, Pastor. I love you, man of God. I'm here for you. But behind the scenes, they're undermining him, tearing him down, uh, praying against what he wants to do in God until the man of God is so confused uh, he's unable to know his left from his right. And this has gone on for years. Why? Because men listen to men. Ministers listen to ministers. What we ought to be doing now is hearing the voice of the Lord. Can you hear what I'm saying? Because the enemy cannot have access to the throne of God. He does not have access to that. He has no revelation understanding. But he does know how Christians normally respond in circumstances that are similar. Are you with me? So what's our defense? Our defense is walking by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Now we think that if we go ahead and we operate our ministries in the way in which our oversights have taught us, we will be successful. But if that were the case, my brother and sister, for every ten ministries that are launched today, we're very fortunate if one of them even maintains itself for a year. Why is that? Because we are not launching men and women, unfortunately, uh, into the ministry with a dependence upon the Spirit of God. We are launching them into ministry, giving them a, a broad outline, a thesis on how they did it. And they're not being successful because this generation, you're these young men and women that I'm looking at here today, your success is based on your ability to yield yourself to the leading of God. And that's what took Moses 80 years until finally he was drawn not so much to the understanding that he was to be a deliverer, but drawn rather to his submission to the living God. That was typified by the burning bush, a bush that burned and yet was not consumed. Hallelujah. So in these last days, we're discovering that true success as a ministry is going to be founded on your, your absolute dependence upon the initiation of God in your life every day of your life. There are going to be very few days that are identical because the faces of God are changing constantly. We know how many faces there are. We, we've got wonderful teachers that can, that can share with us the manifest faces of God and his personalities and his types. But for me, I've, I've determined that God's face is shown to me in different ways according to what God wants to do. One day he can, one day he can be a deliverer, the next day he can be my protector or my shield. Sometimes he doesn't want me to say or do anything. Sometimes he will even allow me to embarrass myself so that he may receive the glory. Sometimes you'll study for weeks 
to stand on the platform of, your, of, of God's choosing and open your mouth and nothing comes out. I can tell you a little story now. I don't know how this man of God found in his relationship with God. But it can be very humbling sometimes when God gets you to the point where you have to recognize it's no longer about you or how much you've studied or how many letters there are after your name or how much you may have suffered for my name's sake. It has to do about your dependence on me, your daily absolute dependence upon me. And so in these last days we're going to discover that your power is going to be dependence upon your weakness. Are you listening to me? So your Bible studies, all of them are very important. Your submission to the man of God. I know the man of God sitting here next to me. I've just met him recently. But I know him to be apostolic in his outlook. The fact that he has a doctor before his name is not the important part. He bases the strength of his ministry on the weakness of his flesh. That, to me, is a man of God. We got a chance to talk today on the way in here in the car. I wanted to get to know him. I knew I had to get to know him. The Lord told me to join myself to him, you know. Uh, a little bit like, you know, Philip joining the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot. You know, it's like I'm hitchhiking down the road here and here I see, you know, Dr. Lockhart coming. So I've got my thumb out, you know. And he was good enough to pull over and let me into his heart. The enemy's tried to mess that up. The other night, I want to tell you how the enemy works strategically. I thought I was speaking last night. Right. And so I, I, I prepared myself and I was a little bit, I was a little bit late getting together uh, because I figured, well, if I'm the speaker, I maybe have the opportunity of being just a little late so I'm prepared. And so I got there and there was a quietness in the vehicle. And uh, the man of God knows enough now to keep his feelings to himself. And uh, so we were talking and uh, I said, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. So we talked a little bit more and finally he came out and said, uh, you know, I really don't being, like being late into the house of God. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm the speaker tonight. I said, I thought I was the speaker tonight. And so that's, that issue got resolved very quickly because we're both men of God and we both realize that we have to walk in love one to the other. But it's frustrating when we know that, you know, I'm being held back here when if this was a real man of God, he'd be more sensitive to the fact that he's making me late. You follow me? That was a setup. The devil set that up. But thank God... I'm talking with a man of God who is a man of God enough to realize that Satan does these things. We have, to, we have to dehumanize mistakes and recognize that behind every assignment there is an enemy wanting to disrupt what God wants to do. Are you with me? So what the enemy meant for harm, God now has established a relationship between this man of God. Whether or not we see each other again next week, next month, or yesterday, it doesn't matter. But when we part company, we will part company as brothers in the Lord. And we're both discovering that in these last days what we are as men or women of God is not based on what we learnt at Bible school necessarily. It forms a foundation. But it's our dependence upon the instantaneous ministration of the Holy Spirit that makes us dangerous to the devil. You follow me? And the enemy can set things up like he did the other night when I had my days mixed up. I thought it was Friday and it was Thursday. But what the enemy meant for harm... Come on, finish it for me. God means it for good. Right. All right. So, so, in these last days, to me, I think we're going to find that our most powerful ministrators and ministers of the gospel are those who have learned to trust God for instantaneous information and ministration. In other words, you prepare way beforehand, but you're going to discover coming up that you're not going to be able to prepare the message 
perfectly aforetime and get up in front of the people, unless you're a teacher, you know, and we all have to learn how to teach, but for the prophetic ministries, for the apostles and prophets in particular, even though the prophetic message will flow down through the teachers and the evangelists and so forth and so on, the, uh, the uh, teachers and the, the pastors and, and the evangelists must flow in today's uh, uh, message. The apostles and prophets have got to flow in an instantaneous release of what God has to say now. Now faith is. So the now faith has to release now. If we try to prepare it in advance, Satan can prepare a defense against it. When God's people came out of Egypt, Pharaoh was very comfortable into following the people of God who were previously his captive, following them along their escape route which had been prepared by the living God. And so when Pharaoh pursued, he had no doubt at all that what God had prepared for his people, he was able to take advantage of. So he felt very comfortable following God's people through the Red Sea, even though he saw the supernatural hand of God and the breath of God, the Ruach of God, parting the waters. Pharaoh, in his arrogance, thought, I will pursue them and I will overtake them. But all of this was to bring them to a place in the middle of the Red Sea on dry ground with a big X on it. Because God said, by the time Pharaoh reaches the middle, my people will be on dry land on the other side. And I will demonstrate to Pharaoh that I will destroy him by his own arrogance. Are you listening to me? Now, the reason Satan is arrogant and the reason Satan is able to destroy so many ministries today is he knows what they're going to do in advance. Therefore, the prophetic unction of God is the silver bullet, if you don't mind me using that expression, that's going to destroy the works of the devil. Because he does not know in advance what God is going to do, because we call that by revelation or by the, by the unction or the anointing of God. The anointing of God by true definition, my brothers and sisters, is instantaneous. If we try to pre-plan what God, what we're going to do, and we block the, the, the ability to pull on the, on the future when it's needed, the now, then revelation is the thing that will destroy the devil. If we pre-plan it, Satan has access to that pre-plan. As soon as we talk it, it's, it's recognized in the, in, in the atmosphere, Satan can take advantage of that and prepare a defense against it. And so the biggest enemy we have in these last days is the predetermining of legalistic people. Religion is our enemy. Revelation is our friend. You see what I'm saying? In years past, I could never have gotten together with a man like Dr. Lockhart, uh, who had perhaps graduated from multitudes of colleges, which I don't know if you have or not, but I think what's happened is this man of God learned it on the street, same as I did. You follow me? Same as so John the Baptist. He learned what he learned on the street in the wilderness. See? And it made him very powerfully usable by God because the established religion couldn't corrupt him. Are you listening to me? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And they said, yes, we understand. He said, no, you don't. You have no clue of what I'm talking about. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Get your heart right. See? He was walking by revelation. They were walking by past destination. See? We have Moses, you know. We have, he said, you have Moses, but I've got the living God. So the future ministry, you, as God begins to release you, you're going to be successful against Pharaoh because he has not got one clue as to which weapon you're going to wage warfare against him with. And most of you won't know it either until you step behind the platform. But you still have to study to show yourself approved under God. Do you follow me? See, Moses learned about God while he was in the wilderness under the oversight of, of worldly men. See, but while he was in there, he was not learning what to do. He was learning what not to do. He was learning what it felt like to sit under the uninspired leadership 
of Laban. Are you listening to me? And God brought him, you know, a, a godly wife and the legalism was there, but Moses needed to know what it was like to be led to a burning bush and to hear the voice of the Lord. See? Remove thy sandals from off thine feet for the place in which you stand now is holy ground. We need to have that kind of hearing voice. But you're going to be at warfare not just against the devil. You're going to be at warfare against some of your previous brothers and sisters who are going to not walk by by revelation, but they want to walk by the knowledge of what they did yesterday and what previously worked. You see, we're coming now into a time and a season where your ministration has to be instantaneous. Because in that instantaneous, in the ability of, of the Lord hearing the voice of the Father, the enemy was unprepared to come against it. Those of us who have come out of religious-based organizations, we base our efficiency on previous structure. We might use a, a word which seems harsh like legalism. Good morning, madam. It's a good idea to stand up when the woman of God comes into this. It's just showing honor to whom honor is due. Amen? So one of these days when you walk into your auditorium, the people will stand to honor not you, but who you represent. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Welcome. Um, so what I'm trying to say to you, it's your, it's your inability to be overly prepared that will destroy the devil. Are you listening to me? There's the things that we can learn while you're sitting under the leadership of your man and woman of God. And I think what we can learn as much as anything else is that God is faithful to honor your obedience. And believe me, when we start, I'm going I'm to do something here which I don't normally do. I remember uh, the woman of God when she was living in very humble circumstances. When I remember her kitchen was separated from the living area by a curtain. And she would go behind that curtain and come up with the most yummy things to eat. She has always been a wonderful hostess. And all, I'm not saying that just because she's here, because a lot of women of God are not willing to get their hands dirty. This woman of God has always been willing to get down with her husband and do what was ever necessary. Am I right? Yes. It wasn't always that she had people to serve her. And that's how she learnt the faithfulness of God. The men and women of God who are being used today are happy to be used of God because they know what it, what it feels like to have to bear the burden of bringing ministration to people who really don't want to hear it. And you know the wonderful thing? God gives you people who don't want to hear what you have to say at the beginning. They don't obey you. They don't listen to you. They don't serve you, you see. And so what God is doing is when you learn how to serve people who don't respond to your heart, eventually God will send you people who will not only respond to your heart but serve you as you used to serve others. And, and the anointing on your life begins to elevate and then eventually you get to sit in a soft seat. Amen. And eventually you get people that will, will respect being around you and will listen to the wisdom that comes out of your mouth. And that's what Moses had to wait 80 years for. And so the man that was returned back to bring God's people out of bondage was not the same man that left. He was not the same, even though he was zealous for God, he was arrogant in his own right. God broke all of that for him until he was finally the man that said, Nevertheless, Lord, whatever you, you want to tell me, whatever you ask me to do, I'll remove my shoes and I'll allow your spirit to lead me. So, where am I headed with that? In these last days, those who have learned to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God will in due time be exalted. But don't worry about the exaltation. Don't worry about the hardships that you may be facing now because God is forging in you and separating many of you who, don't, who think they have the calling of God on their life to be premiers, 
most of you will discover that God will put you together with other men and other women of God who will both equip you and train you and most of the time you will stay faithfully connected to them and help their ministries to develop and to grow. In Moses' case, he was used as a deliverer because his office was that as a, as a prophet. But at the same time, you remember that God spent many years preparing the heart of Moses to recognize that whatever I may exalt you to do, in your own strength you can do nothing. We need the help of other people. But we need to get to the point where we don't need people in order to do what God has asked us to do. We launch out into the deep and then God begins to add to us. Can you say amen? Uh, When you find a house like this, it doesn't just happen. Most of the people who launch out never get to sail their boat into the sunset. Most of the folks that launch burn themselves out. In fact, they build bigger boats than they can afford to run. Their minds and their egos get in front of them. When God wants you to start, he'd rather you start with a rowboat and then progress to a powered boat. Amen? But most of the ministries being birthed up until this point have been birthed straight out of the chute. They want to be an ocean liner. They they, they want to straight away make new ground and whatever my pastor or my man or woman of God did, I'm going to do ten times better. And that ego and the arrogance, the Lord has not yet had a chance to burn that out of them. I know because I was one of them. All I can tell you is while that still continues to burn as the candle of your heart, God will not allow you to illuminate the paths of those that he wants to touch. All you're going to attract to yourself are the same kinds of people. Amen? So in these last days, when you see somebody stand up and say, introduced as an apostle this or an apostle that, I know this man of God and this woman of God because of where they've come from. I was in her humble little house. I was in there when they explained to me what, what's that green? Oh, never. What in the world is this? Tasted pretty good, but it looked terrible. And, and it's a little bit like in the ministry. You know, you say, what is this? It's like I'm being, lear- I'm being taught something new. But they never quit. No matter how many hardships, how many people came to them and said, we love you, we'll serve you. In their little house, how many people they, they, they entertained. Many of those people say, we'll never depart from you, we'll never leave you. And you didn't see them again. They never came back. But every time I came and heard... They were both here and they were both laboring hard and God honours that, but it's taken years. Now, what's the difference today? I believe the coming of the Lord is imminent. I also know that our adversary, the devil, and the Antichrist, who I believe even now is alive, already knows the strategies of the organised church. What he does not know is revelation information. He doesn't understand, nor can he, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. I has not seen nor ear heard, see, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them, but God has revealed them, see, under, under his people, under those that God is getting ready to use, you in this house, because God's bringing you in here for two reasons, perhaps three, but two main reasons. Number one, to see the faithfulness of God. You may see Sister Omer sitting here, and I've known her for many years. You may see Apostle Williams up there ministering and flowing in God. It wasn't always this easy. They have had to pay the price. Now the difference is they've been paying the price for 25, 30 years. I've been, been, when I first started with them, I've been now 30 years, a little over 30, (coughs) excuse me, 30 years, until the God revealed to me what a a foolish young man I was. But I I started late. I was nearly 30 when I started. So it, it wasn't as if I had an early start. But I've watched the faithfulness of God. Now I'm telling you this, that the Spirit of God is getting... 
Remember to stand up when the man of God comes in. It's very good. Honour those to whom honour is due. It's very good. God bless you. God bless you. Good morning, man of God. So I was just speaking about you. So the time and the dispensation is what we're in now. Much has to be accomplished in a very short amount of time. Are you listening to me? So revelation knowledge is both darkness to the devil but in bright enlightenment to us as, as God's people. So much has to be accomplished before the return of the Lord. I believe personally the Antichrist is alive right now. The Antichrist is alive right now. I believe that he is being apportioned. I believe the nations of the world now are being brought into subjection and that can only be by the, by the enemy trying to extinguish the light of the gospel, the true light of the gospel. And we know that in the last days many who began their walk with God and I say this with, with, with hurt in my heart, will turn away from the living God, the illumination of the Spirit of God, and turn aside to those who are not led of the Spirit, but those who are led of the flesh. They will become part of the Antichrist ministration. But there will always be that remnant, and I believe houses like this are producing and adding to that remnant church, the body of Christ who are both aware of what the Spirit of God is doing and are submitting to him. So I say this to you. You may very well be the last generation. And God has prophesied that the last generation will not learn as we learned by trial and error and by having to allow the Holy Spirit to chip away at our natural abilities and replace them as he did in Moses' uh, instance uh, with a Bernie Bush experience. The time is so short that we don't have the 80 years or the 30 years uh, that, that God has been able to uh, expend upon his servants that are sitting here in front of you. Now it has to be by revelation. We have to receive the unction of God. And to do that, we have to be uh, willing to turn away from uh, uh, the formalized religion that so many people are drawn into. It has the form of godliness but denies the power. And it's the power of God that brings deliverance. Because there'll be a time coming when the word of the Lord will bring instantaneous deliverance. Mm -hmm. There'll be a time when there'll be no need for man to lay hands on the head of a man. But rather, when the word of the Lord comes forth, it will be like the arrow of deliverance. And so it was, saith the Lord, when I brought my servant and stood him before the king. I said, rise and strike and take arrows and let them fly. And he did it once and twice and thrice and then stopped. And the prophet was angry with him. And he said, if thou hadst continued to let the arrows fly, the Lord would have been deliverance to you as often and as many times as you let the arrow fly. But because you allowed your own remembrance and your own understandings to interfere with the revelation unctions of the Holy Ghost, you put a, a stalwart, you put a standard against God which halted the moving of the Spirit. So what I'm trying to tell you today is you are, in my humble opinion, the last generation. I was born in 1948, the year that Israel became a nation. I believe that this, this nation of Israel, from 1948, it says that if we live a life that is in agreement with the Spirit of God, our eyes would not grow dim under normal circumstances until we see the return of the Lord. I know that things are going to get tougher. Why do you think God delivers an auditorium of this size? into this man's hands. Not because he has an ego anymore, because I can tell you from a truth, the Lord goes about beating an ego out of a man right from the beginning. Right. I don't stand before you as an exalted man anymore. I stand before you as a, as a, as a beaten man, yet knowing that there's a, there's a spirit of God in me that is unbeatable. Your generation are going to be doing this. And God is bringing you to places like this to inspire you, because it's the inspiration of the Almighty that giveth a man understanding. We don't have time for the Bible schools anymore. We need to be about the business of God. Can you say amen? amen? If God brings you to a place like this, it means there is an unction upon you. The unction that's upon this man of God and his wife 
and this man of God and his family is not the same unction that's going to be upon you because once the light of God has shone upon them, the enemy knows what they do. He knows how he's functioned in the past. But his Achilles heel, if I can use that expression, Satan's destruction is his own pride. Because what's happening is the Spirit of God in this man of God and his family and his wife and in this man is being renewed day by day. As is the eagle, and mount up like wings as eagle. Because that revelation is renewed every day and the enemy cannot fight revelation. Do you follow what I'm saying? So you're coming here not to learn his revelation, but to learn how he incorporated the, the manifestation of that revelation. That comes, my brother and sister, by yielding yourself to God and allowing the Spirit of God to have preeminence in your life and knowing this, that there's not one person that's in this building today or listening to the sound of my voice that is going to be able to be 100% led of the Spirit of God. There's always going to be the Spirit of the man in you that is going to try to sniff out the candle of the Lord. But I tell you, God will continue day by day as you wake up and yield yourself unto God. That yielding will result in revelation. That revelation will bring deliverance, the arrow of deliverance, into the hearts of the men and women who have been held captive for generations. And right now there's a separating taking place. Don't you understand that? Don't you know that's why God sent you here instead of somewhere else? Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, that's where God is raising up His people. They want you not to carry the same candle as this man or woman of God or the same candle as this man or woman of God. They want you to be illuminated by the same light, by the same power that that started that candle into existence. So what I'm going to tell you is right now I believe Antichrist is alive. Right now I believe governments are being brought to their knees. America is already being brought to its knees because of its arrogance and its love of money. Its covetousness and greed is bringing it to its knees. And at the same time, God is bringing countries that have been predominantly poor. He's making them rich, not in natural goods. Read tonight, whenever I get a chance, I'm going to get into the final church, which I believe, uh, as you read in the, in the, in the, the, after the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, you'll bring yourself to the point where as God has brought us right to the very end, that the final church, as it's brought in Revelation, we don't know who the end is going to be and who the, the angel of that church is going to be. But we know that right now in these last times, this last day's church is being returned, is being brought to the place where we will recognize those who are truly anointed of God and those who are not. And God says, if I'm going to stand on the outside and have to bang to get access into your heart, recognize your need for me, not for a leader that's going to speak to your flesh or to a big church that has nothing to involve itself in other than men and women who have called themselves into the work of the ministry, but rather to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that in his timing, which is now, you may be exalted. Your exaltion may come very slowly. It may come quickly. But I can promise you that. It will not be the same way that, they, that the Lord did with me. It probably won't be the same way they did with this man or woman of God either side of me. But it will be in a way in which will get your attention. You remember at the end, Moses, after 80 years, he thought he had it picked out. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do. I was an Egyptian. Then I found out I wasn't. Now I find out I'm a Hebrew. I'm going to be about the business of killing the enemy. And it took him 80 years later until he finally had all that taken out of him and he was totally dependent upon hearing from God. And when he saw the burning bush, he said, I must draw myself aside and see what this thing is that I can see because God's in it and that's what's drawing me now. Not the fact that I can be a killer of the enemies of God or I have a great teaching gift or I have a great prophetic gift. None of these things. These are gifts. They're nothing for you to exalt yourself in. They are be used to glorify God. And in these last days, he's going to do a quick work I tell you, a quick work. But the thing you can do to expedite that is to submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. There can be no exaltation without the submission. And can I say one final thing before I hand over to the the apostle of the house? This is a great place for God to send you. And the reason I say that to you is 
what you're going to hear from the platform is not just the man who's paid the price with, uh, with the great wisdom in his hair. I've known this man for a long time. I've known his wife for a long time. I know him to be a man of integrity. I also know this, that he's a man of God's choosing. And if you want God to choose you, then the first step to make is to submit yourself to a man of God's choosing. He may not train you exactly the same way, but in these last days, revelation will be your friend. And you can never learn revelation from one who has never submitted himself to God. Amen? Would you like to be part of a vibrant church in the midst of beautiful, awe-inspiring surroundings? Christ Faith Tabernacle at the CFT Cathedral Woolwich is now open for all. Would you stand with me and welcome to the house the man of God, the Apostle Williams and his wife, and I thank you for your time and my ability to speak to you. Amen. Please let me see that. We are so grateful to God this year because um, before we go into introducing the second speaker, I'm sure you're very blessed. What I came hearing um, from Prophet Hancock, I've been out there listening to what God is saying through him. I felt like I should have an ability to open the heart of the hearers and take all what you guys have been saying and bury it inside it. A man came in here to put on the plaque. And while I came in, he was putting on the plaque when I came in. So I waited for him to screw what he was screwing. And then he looked back. I said, oh, how are you, sir? He said, I've been enjoying that message that is being preached. I didn't know whether he's a believer or not. Jesus appeared to me in 1999 and took me to heaven. And in that encounter, he showed me the calendar of this globe. What will happen in every nation. A good number of what has already taken place. And after the encounter, I've made publications on that, telling nations what will happen to the month and time, even America. I remember one thing the Lord told me is that dollar will become two to one pound. And the Lord told me how America will plunge down. Exactly why what you're saying, the reason why God is bringing them down is because of what you just said. And the Lord said how the powers of the West will be punished for the iniquity they have committed many years ago. And how God will raise the nation they have oppressed to oppress them. I told, I made public, even our government in this country, I told them some of those things that God said. But about the church, if the things he said about the world happen, then what about the church? What God has said about the church, this is the year of the eagles. There's going to be a shift. Many loud noises will cease. For three years I've been announcing it. God said it will take some people away by death who have compromised God. God is not materialism. It's not money. It's not ego. God is God. And he deserves worship. He covets worship. And if a man will take his place, he hates such generation. And a good number of the men, people of the church, I said it, people who have been born again the past 30 years, you are born again into a church that is derailed. Because many things that many of you know as church really is the counter of the church. The real church is the church of revelation.
And this is what God is doing in this season. So I, have, I agree completely with everything that Prophet Akok has said. At the end of my encounter with Jesus, and I asked him what will happen after 2015, he said to me, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. And I will give unto everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right in the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and prizes falsehood. So the words that you are hearing in this seminar is to equip you. Let me say this to you. How many seminars in London do you go where you will not pay registration fee? It never happened in this country. I don't know in America. But here, it doesn't happen. You will pay a lot. And at the end of every message, somebody will skin you off on money. It doesn't happen here. It has never happened. It cannot happen. And it does not happen. So you understand, therefore, that every one of us who have come here, we have, they have left their business and their, their churches to come and help us. These people didn't write to me telling me that, you know, how many people will attend the conference and give me a form of how much they will, I will pay them for coming. They didn't even ask for paying their ticket. And these are the kind of men I flock with because they see God like me. We don't see mind. Our eyes physical see beyond the physical. And I believe very much that the utmost in the heart of these men and what Prophet was telling you today is that you may see. There are two sets of eyes given to man. One to see to the world and the other to see to the spirit. As the eyes to see to the world sometimes suffer sicknesses and you have all manners of glaucoma and uh, astigmatism so that it impedes the sight range. So is the spiritual. The medicine for the spiritual is to pay attention to what the spirit is saying to the church. And also, same way with the physical, you have various things that you take to help your physical side. So what God is doing here is giving you information that will open the spiritual eyes. People who have their spiritual eyes open fear nothing. We don't fear to die. We're ready to die any minute. We know where we are going. We cannot be confused. Nothing under heaven can catch us unawares. It does not. It is not possible. Those who work with God hear Him, and anything that happens, it does not. It doesn't shake them because we know that God is behind everything, and God has a plan for His people. So I want you to. Digest everything you have been given. Open your heart. Have a different kind of mindset in this very meeting. Write things down that God is telling you that you will do when you get back to your basis. And today we'll look at that. Well, we will go straight into uh, receiving the gift of God. Um, Doc, I'm sure you were blessed yesterday night. And remember, God has opened something through him. Would you like to be part of a vibrant church in the midst of beautiful, awe-inspiring surroundings? Christ Faith Tabernacle at the CFT Cathedral Woolwich is now open for all. Apostle Alfred Williams, apostolic leader to churches around the globe, 
warmly invite you to come and be part of this incredible move of God. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London. In our beautiful, recently refurbished cathedral, we are seeing miracles happen, people healed, needs are met, lives are transformed. The Word of God is preached with power through Apostle Alfred Williams. I want you to know this, that there is a God in heaven who has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and by Him, anyone who believes in Him, carry the very authority of God which, with which He created the heavens and the earth. Jesus said, freely you receive and freely give. I want to say this to you, stop going around to people, kneel down where you are, talk to the God who created the heavens and the earth in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and you will receive your miracle now. And be sure not to miss our two life-changing events, Overcomers Night Vigil, Hear the Voice of God, Receive Life-Changing Teaching, Be Lifted Through Dynamic Worship. Become an Overcomer on the last Friday of every month at 7pm. And also come and celebrate with us at our exciting monthly Victory Nights. Receive your breakthrough. Be empowered to win. Come and claim your victory on the first, second and third day of every month. Whatever age, nationality or background you are from, there is something very special for you at the Christ Faith Tabernacle Cathedral Woolwich. Every Sunday at 10am, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18 6NL.